Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today we are joined by our esteemed guest, Robert. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Good. Where are you from, Robert? Uh, originally Atlanta, Georgia. Now I live in uh, Northern Virginia. All right. And when were you first introduced to recovery? Uh, well, my first meeting was January 19th, 1976 in a, uh, in a food program, Overdue's Anonymous, and it was in a very small church and a very small village in upstate New York, and there were 19 women and me. Hmm. And I thought I'd die and go to heaven. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> and, uh, and we normally ask how long have you been clean, but since you have many dates, just go ahead and explain every, all of them. Okay, well, can I start with family background and go mm-hmm. from there? Well, yeah. Okay, well, I've got 140 years of addiction in my family that I know personally. Mm. Seven generations, all the way. My great grandmother uh, was alive when I was born. She was she was very obese. Uh, on my father's side, uh, I've got multiple uh, alcoholics. Two of my three aunts were alcoholics. My other aunt married and buried two alcoholics. Mm. Uh, one of my uncles was. He, my father had five brothers, and one of them was the town drunk of a small town in Georgia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and two of the others were very. Two two of the other five were very heavy drinkers. My father was a heavy drinker, was a smoker. And obese. Mm-hmm. My mother, through her, through her grandmother, was was always overweight and everything. So, and it's followed. We've gone forward now three more effing generations mm-hmm. uh, with nieces, nephews, great nieces, great nephews, and things like that that have real have serious either food problems or drug problems or something going on. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I know about. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's just so I'm gonna I come by all this crap honestly. You know? Yeah. So, oh, oh yeah. I'm I'm nature and nurture on all sides. Uh, so, like I said, I came into OA. I was doing. I did great in OA. I lost 60 pounds really quickly. I hit a couple of you know pink clouds there and had a couple of small relapses. But I did. I did really well in OA for years, um, until I moved to Florida in 1984. Oh yeah. In my insane first marriage, my insane my first marriage was literally nuts. Uh, we moved 23 times in 16 years that we were married. Jesus. If you can imagine that. All the while, I'm thin and beautiful, you know, handsome and wonderful. Yeah. And we're going deeper and deeper into debt. Mm. Uh, and we were making, we were both freelance writers. Okay. And we were making really good money for freelance writers. We mm. were making four times or five times what the average freelance writer were making. Hmm. And, but we couldn't, but we just couldn't stop spending money, right? Yeah. So I moved to Florida, had a three-year relapse on every freaking thing. I started drinking again. I'd stopped drinking in 73 mm-hmm. on my own. But I started drinking again. I started putting on weight. You know, the, the, the moves got more and more frequent. You know, instead of a year or so, it was now ended down to months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so finally, we actually, uh, because of a situation that my first uh, wife got herself into, we moved up here to Maryland to be close to her brother. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got straight again. I got abstinent again down in Florida. Uh, 1980, it's in summer of 1987, I'll never forget it, I am totally, totally at the bottom. I'm literally at the bottom of the shower in my house I can't afford, rental house I can't afford, driving the car I can't afford, and I am screaming to my higher power, you know, do something, you know, God, just freaking do something. Mm-hmm. You know, literally what I heard in my ears, get off your dead ass and go to a meeting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and of course there was a there was a food meeting down, you know, like a mile within where I lived. Yeah. 
then I immediately found that, and that's when I got back abstinent. But then some shit hit the fan with my first wife, and we had to... And her brother lived up here, and near here, as a matter of fact, and we moved to uh, Annapolis mm -hmm. in uh, summer of 1988. Uh, so I've been in this area a little bit, 31 years this, mm -hmm. this, uh, this, this, this summer. And the marriage just continued to crumble, and we continued to pile more and more debt. When we got here, we were driving our lease Mercedes we couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. Our debt payments were $1,440 a month. Oh, wow. We were renting a three-story, three-bedroom, two-bath townhouse, which we couldn't afford. And my ex-wife, soon to become ex-wife, decided she wanted, at the ripe young age of 42, decided she wanted to start riding horses. Something that 12-year-old pubescent girls want to do. She, yeah. was, she wanted to spend $1,000 a month riding horses. Oh, my Wait, God. What, $1,000? Huh? $1,000? $1,000 a month for, for you know, renting the horses and pay, paying for the feed and all this crap you have to oh, do to wow. ride horses. That's a lot of money nowadays. Yeah, yeah. well, guess how much, guess how our income, which had been six low six figures two years before that, guess how our income had plunged because of all this insanity. It plunged to $3,000 a month. So we, could, I couldn't even afford it. You know, yeah. if I was going to pay my debts, I could, or I couldn't even afford to eat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when I moved to this area, I dived into my, I dived back into my OA programs. I did some uh, uh, relationship program, got into a relationship program, and but it was clear that this, this wasn't going to work. And she was not, she was not paying attention. Mm -hmm. So we broke up, and uh, she moved in June of '89. And I was working so many programs. I was, you know, sober again. I was working my food program again. I was doing you know, relationship programs and all this kind of stuff. I decided to give it a year between summer of uh, 89 and 1990 to see if it was me, if it was her, if it was both of us, or it was my addiction or something else. Mm -hmm. Well, things net did not get better. Yeah. <laughs> it just got, well, the, the money got worse. So, so the next year is a true story. My higher power works in very strange ways. I flipped over in one of the Sunday magazines that you get in the, in the Sunday paper. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I was, there was a, there was a, it's a three column page, and I was reading, there was this little story, little one column story about this fellowship called DA, Dead Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And as I'm beginning to read this thing, honest, this is true, a shaft of light came through the window and hit that freaking page mm -hmm. on that story. And I said, whoops. <laughs> And it said it had meetings in Washington. So I literally started driving an hour or more, at least two or three times a week, to start working on my on my debting issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got abstinent real. I got abstinent. I was working. I did. I worked that program really well for five years. Cut well, my debt was one hundred four thousand dollars, and I was. You know, I was by myself. I was still making about thirty-five thousand a year, mm -hmm. and the payments hadn't gone away. And the, you know, six phone calls a day, six or seven letters in the mail a day, and all this kind of stuff. Right. So, mm. one of the most hysterical things that ever happened to me in my recovery was, and I when I downsized in two thousand and two during my second marriage, I found an unopened box. I opened that box. The entire thing was stuffed with bills. Wow, <laughs> never God. opened these yeah. bills. <laughs> oh, man. I had never opened them. I sat there for a whole evening, just opened the bills, laughing my ass off. Yeah. Crying and laughing and everything. <laughs> Threw it all away. Because by then I was in really good shape. Mm -hmm. I was, I'd gotten, I hadn't had any debt for several years. and got out, Well, I hadn't had any debt at all for several years after before that. So, 
So I, I had to really do, so the, the thing to me is in all these issues, I, you, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a 12 step fundamentalist, mm -hmm. okay? I, I cannot recover if any, without working the 12 steps, without living the 12 step real life. I can't do it, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. just not possible. Yeah. So, so I'm a, I don't want to call myself a big book thumper, but I will thump any big book that comes along in any program. I'm going to thump it, and I'm going to work the steps, and I'm going to live, do my best to live that way of life. Yeah. Which I've now, you know, been doing how, however, haphazardly for you know 43 years. Yeah. And um, so, through the early 90s, I did really great. I was working. You know, my food program was great again. This relationship program was helping a lot. I, um, uh, the, the, I was working on the money program really well, and all that was going down. And I, and I met a really lovely woman, uh, and I'd always wanted to have kids. She had two kids, and they're young tweens, kind of, kind of tween kids. Mm -hmm. So I remarried in 93, and uh, we had a, and so I had re some really, really great years as a stepdad, uh, and was really, really, you know, very happy with that. Well, in the middle of this, in 1995, I got my first master's degree, and uh, I was teaching part-time. I was teaching writing part-time at a major university, and I was still freelancing. And uh, I've been freelancing since 1977. I was a newspaper reporter for five years, a freelancer for 25 years, and then I worked for the government the last 13 years before I retired. Thank you. Thank you for it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a long way to go to We got it all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Save every penny. Don't don't waste any pennies, let me tell you. Yeah. They're going to come in real handy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so in 95, I, got, I went into pure arrogance and hubris with my money stuff. Mm. I was going to get my I was going to get my graduate degree and I was going to start a million dollar and in, in one year I was going to have a million dollar consulting firm. I was going to be publishing a newsletter in a particular area where I was an expert. Mm. You know, I'd published books in this area mm -hmm. and I was excuse me I was recognized as an expert in this area, and I was going to do all this stuff right. Well, not yeah. <laughs> I it was actually an incredible exercise in hubris, and arrogance, and so I ended up. I had a financial backer, I thought, who one April morning, middle of April of uh, 1995, no, 96, this whole mess was 95, 96. So April 96, whenever long that is ago, uh, 23 years. Mm -hmm. he picked, I answered the phone, it's this guy who's my backer and says, I can't back you anymore. And I had $165,000 in contracts. Oh no! Mm. Oh no! <laughs> to do to do professional workshops and mm. little mini conventions and things like this for for executives from a particular type of company, mm -hmm. and I went, oh, okay, good. Now I st I'd stopped going to D I'd stopped going to DA. Mm -hmm. I was very rarely doing anything. You know, I walked away thinking I was a hot shot. Yeah. Oh, arrogance thing, and I had this unbelievably bad relapse. One hundred sixty-five thousand dollars of debt when I had gotten it down. From 104,000 to 42,000 mm -hmm. in five years. Wow. You know, then it went boing to 165. Yeah. That was bad. So I almost literally crawled back into my uh, DA meeting, one that I'd founded, by the way, with somebody else. Wow. Um, and I said, take me back, take me back. Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like, well, we can't throw you out. <laughs> so yeah. We can't exactly. keep you out. So mm -hmm. if you want to work the program, we're here. 
they basically were some of my dearest friends who hadn't seen me in over a year or so. And, mm-hmm. they, you know, they just said, we can't throw you out, so I guess you're welcome. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about this program is the only oh, requirement yeah. for membership is a desire to stop fucking up the way you've been fucking up your whole oh, life, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the wonderful thing is they can't tell you can't you don't belong. Yep. If you choose to say you belong, I, and I chose to say I belong in all these programs. So I got back on track with DA, worked really hard, had a number of number of miracles and blessings from my higher power. And by the December 31st, 1999, I paid off all my debt. I was wow. debt-free. I don't know if you guys know about how DA works, but debt-free in DA means no unsecured debt, no credit cards, no personal debt, no mm-hmm. unsecured debt of any kind. Mm-hmm. In DA, you can, as long as it's secured, you can, you can, you can have a loan. I've got a mortgage and I've got a car payment. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. But but if I don't pay it, they take it away from me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the deal. And uh, and and how that works. So I haven't had a, I haven't had a debt other than a mortgage or a car payment since 1999. Nice. Yeah, and I have been since then. I've been to 29 29 countries, mm-hmm. on five more continents. I only wow. got Australia left to go. Nice. I've been to Antarctica, and no debt involved whatsoever. They were all the money was saved up front, prepaid. Nice. Everything was taken care of. Mm-hmm. And along the way, you know, my OA program was fine. Not perfect, but you know, but fine. And then, um, so that was the, through the 2000s. We got my stepkids through college. We got my uh, stepdaughter and stepson through undergraduate without any debt. We got my stepdaughter through college without any, through grad school without any debt. My, my stepson chose to go into debt deliberately to get his MBA, but that's his problem. Yeah. We said, you don't have to, he could have kept working and... Yeah. And gone to school, taking three years instead of two years. But mm-hmm. that was his choice. So everything was going fine. We got them through through grad school. We got them married and all this kind of stuff. And then kind of stuff just in this, my second marriage just kind of began to fall apart uh, for a lot of un- reasons that have no- everything and nothing to do with my issues that I hadn't, that I hadn't con- come to terms with. Mm-hmm. She had plenty of her own issues that um, she didn't want to come to terms with, like I think that's been been the theme for my relationships is yeah. being attracted to women who didn't want to deal with their issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that was very. So uh, I mean, in my first marriage, that was pretty obvious. What we did was move all the time, and you know, and screw up. Yeah. Uh, my second marriage, we just it was more passive aggressive on both our parts, and that was and that was really sad. Uh, what happened after that? What happened with the second marriage? It was basically an empty nest syndrome. We just kind of sat around looking at each other like, now what? And there mm. wasn't any what. Yeah. Uh, mm. Because she wouldn't go to, I was, I've been in, in just disclaimer, I've been in therapy for all except two years since 1986 with two different therapists. Mm. So uh, my memory recovery is founded on a lot of different stool. You know, my the, the chair of my recovery is on, you know, first and foremost on its 12 steps yeah and the programs uh, secondly on my higher power which is you know which is a my own weird creation mm-hmm. <laughs> I've only been through six or seven higher powers in 43 years by the way that's not bad uh, no, I, didn't, I know, I know. <laughs> my favorite one was the one I, w- I went away to uh, to my second I had to go my second wife chose to stay behind when I left left the area for a year to get my second master's mm-hmm. And um, which is kind of when our marriage, marriage began to really show all the fissures and crumble, you know, began to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And um, my favorite higher power was this really, really gorgeous woman who got me through that year when I was alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was my favorite higher power. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of transitioning higher powers right now, as a matter of fact, because I need one that's more, that's more active, that's more expansive, that's more of a growing uh, kind of higher power. Mm-hmm. The one I'd had for a number of years has been very defensive, been very boundary-oriented, yeah. defending the boundaries kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So whatever I've needed, you know, I've been able to create it because the programs say, hey, we don't care what our power is just yeah. as long as you've got one. Mm-hmm. No, I know absolutely fundamentally that the programs themselves are the origin of my higher power. I mean, if I'm not working the programs, if I'm not living the 12 steps, if I'm not going to meetings and sponsoring and, you know, giving service like this and mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, I'm in up shit creek. Yeah. Very quickly. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, just snap your fingers and I'm in relapse of yeah. some sort or the other. Um, so that brings me up to the 2008 period when I was away, seven and eight. And I will I'll tell you guys the absolute truth. I, uh, since 2008, it's been really rough, okay? Because I botched the divorce uh, in, a very, in a very bad way. I basically chickened out on... on um, talking with my stepkids, who by now, they were in their 30s, they were married, uh, or just about, well, they were both married by then, and they were in their 30s, and I didn't talk to them about it first. And they were, and my uh, second wife just hasn't spoken to me since then, <laughs> since, we signed, huh. since we met for the final divorce, decree, well, the, for the separation signing, the mm-hmm. separation agreement in 2009. She hasn't spoken to me. That's, it would be 10 years ago this summer. Uh, and my stepchildren have not spoken to me. And that, I, and that hit me incredibly hard because I really, really loved them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was their dad for 15 years. Yeah. And, I, you know, everything I said I did, I did. High school, college, marriages, grad school, marriages, and the mm-hmm. whole thing. We had, I had been there for them and contributed to their financial well-being, made sure they got through school without debt and all these kinds of things. So it really hit me hard. So past 10 years, and to be very honest, my, my money program's been great. I did really well and was very, have been very, very smart. I was able to retire about four years ago. Mm-hmm. My food program has been a kick me in the butt. Mm-hmm. I've been on a roller coaster. Yeah. And uh, from, from that. Uh, and then one of the things I knew I had to work on my relationships. So I joined Al Anon in January 2009. That's a little over 10 years. I celebrated my 10th anniversary in, in Al Anon. And, and what Al Anon has done for me. Is it really for the first? It was the, the well, you guys know as well as I do. The the, the, the substance, most of the substance based programs, you just stop doing what you're doing. You stop drinking. You stop taking drugs. Mm-hmm. You stop. Mm-hmm. You stop doing something. Put the cork in the bottle. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got life addictions. I've got behavioral addictions. You think food is a, food is not a, really a substance addiction, it's a behavioral addiction. Mm. Because you have to eat three freaking times a day. Yeah. Or you have to go to the store. You have to live in a society where every freaking commercial on TV is either about stuffing your face, drinking booze, or losing it, losing weight, or going to rehab. Yeah. I mean, when I retired, I spent a year and a half watching daytime TV or reading mystery novels. Yeah. Right? And it is freaking awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This, 
I mean, everything is stimulus for some kind of addiction. Yeah. On, in, oh, yeah. Everywhere, you know? Yeah. Our society is sort of built it's on it. Like, yeah, our society, absolutely. Our economy would be, uh, our economy would collapse without addiction. Yeah. I mean, wow. the worst addiction of all is, you know, it's caffeine. Oh, yeah. Well, when I was in 29 years ago, yeah, 29 years ago, I wrote a little book as part of a series for a publisher about the evils of nicotine and caffeine. Mm -hmm. Nicotine killed both my parents. They both died. They didn't die of their of obesity or heart disease. They died of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably couldn't stop smoking Yeah, for, the, for all their lives. Uh, my father did a wonderful thing for us, for all four of us, of, of us kids. The... He, he used to not smoke his damn cigars. He used to chew the damn things. Ooh. And messing around with us when we were kids, he'd take the end of that thing you've been chewing on and stuff it in our mouths. Ugh. Just messing around. If you, if you ever want to get discouraged from smoking Ooh, or discourage any kids or anything, Jesus. chew the chew the end, the end of a of a cigar really really mushy and stick, stick it in the kid's face. It will do, the kid will never want to look at anything tobacco like ever again. Oh God, that's terrible. Yeah, it, it was it was yeah. You know, we just thought it was it was a game. It was funny, but it was like oh my God, I'm never going to do this. Yeah, and. Um, and none of the four of us, I've got four, four kids in my family, none of the four of us ever smoked. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my sisters smoked for a little while, but she quit uh, pretty easily. But, you know, but I never, but I, everything else was being reinforced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My parents were very bad with money. You know, we always scraped by, you mm -hmm. know, lower middle, middle class, blue collar workers and mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, and so I had no role models for money, had no role models for food. Everything was a secret. In my family, yeah. so I had no role models for relationships. So nature and nurture, you take your pick, it yeah. all works, and that's how you get here, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so after my second divorce in 2009, I just and everybody stopped talking to me. It was just like the most incredibly painful. Yeah, I've been through a lot of pain, and you know, I've been through my first divorce, which was more like being liberated than mm -hmm. being than you know, it wasn't painful anymore. I'd already grieved it, and I just mm -hmm. wanted the hell out. And when I got out, I just, oh, thank the Lord, I don't have to deal with this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it, was, it got rough. It was rough, but it wasn't yeah. like my second marriage when I lost my two stepkids, whom I really loved uh, dearly. Mm. Lost my opportunity to be a grandfather uh, since I haven't remarried anybody mm -hmm. since then. Twice is enough, I promise. Yeah. Uh, but Al-Anon, Al Al what Al-Anon has done for me, first of all, it was very instrumental in saving my sanity at that time in 2009, 2010. And second of all, it has taught me it, it, the being associated with the men in Al-Anon, and because I only go to men's groups, mm -hmm. uh, and in OA I pretty much only go to men's groups in OA. We got some really strong, strong men's groups in both of those in our area here, mm. and they told me how to be a man, to be not to be a macho man, but to be a sensitive, empathetic person who can. Not who can, but also I had to learn how to stand up for myself, because in both of my marriages it was yes dear, yes dear, yes dear. Mm. First marriage we can never say no to each other about anything. Yeah. Second marriage it was you know yes dear, yes dear, just because I wanted to stay to keep to have the kids mm -hmm. and and do all that. Then uh, I'm sure both of my exes would disagree with a lot of this, but that's their view, and you know, yeah, I got my got my side of the story. So, um, so for the past 10, 11 years, I really had a lot of ups and downs. Um, but one, but it's, it's the, the money's been great. I was able to retire, like I said. 
the relationship steadily got better. I've been in a relationship now for five years. It's best ever. She's a wonderful person. Uh, she, she's not a 12-stepper, but she does understand it. She's been incredibly supportive in every way. Ten, in five years, she's been 100 times more supportive than both of my wives in 35 years wow. were. So, mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, love her dearly. So that's, so that's what Al-Anon has done for me. I could mm -hmm. not have formed a relationship like that without the relationship program. Yeah. Without, without that. And uh, the stories I hear in Al-Anon, man, are just, they just blow me away. My stories are like nothing compared to mm -hmm. Al-Anon stories. I know guys whose who's alcoholic wives have died uh, after you know, years and years of being married and so just suffering. They just threw their hands up. I mean, these guys are sober. Yeah. They're not, they're not drinkers. You know, they're not drinkers at all. And they had alcoholic wives. Uh, another one, another guy's a triple he calls himself a triple winner because he's he's got uh, ACOA he's got a, he's got AA and he's got Al-Anon I'm a quadruple winner and so that's something I kind of want to talk about talk a little bit about is this multiple is this multiple addiction thing it's called the technical term is cross addiction mm -hmm. and it's a very understudied and underappreciated phenomenon because in my OA program I, I know at least six or seven men who were who had been years sober, mm -hmm. years and years sober, who could not get OA, the food mm -hmm. program, yeah. and died of heart attacks Ooh. prematurely yeah. in their 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. Six friends of mine, mm -hmm. at least. Okay? And uh, if you're so... If you go, I don't know what they do in AA meetings these days. They don't smoke anymore, thank God. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, was, it was brutal. Oh, I'm it, sure. was, it was brutal back in the day when everybody was. <laughs> <laughs> it was all meeting long. They still have the coffee. They still have the donuts. They mm -hmm. still have. They still have caffeine, which is the most common addiction in the entire world. They still yeah. have. They still smoke cigarettes outside, which mm -hmm. is you know deadly. Mm -hmm. And they still eat. They still eat donuts by the dozen, which is if, yeah. over the long term equally deadly. Which I can promise. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Obesity is a killer. Yes. That's a killer. Um, my brother, he died about five years. Yeah, it'll be five years ago this summer. He was he was over three hundred and fifty pounds most of his life. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. And he's shorter than I am. He was about five eight, five nine. Mm -hmm. And um, he decided, and he had and he had four marriages. And among the four of us, we've had twelve marriages. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Uh, two, of them, two of us have had two, and the other two have had four. Wow. Four each, so, yeah. So we come by it honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Really? Fucking shit, let me tell you. Wow. Uh, so my brother decided at the right young age of 59 to lose weight, and he did so by starving himself. He lost 150 pounds in 12 months. Oh, no. Despite the fact that he was having many strokes. Yeah, that's And health healthy. issues. And one day he didn't wake up, right after his 60th birthday, he didn't wake up. And mm. we don't know whether it was a stroke or a heart attack. We just know he didn't wake up. Yeah, yeah. And frankly, and because he was in his fourth marriage, and every married, his first wife died of lung cancer right after my father died of lung cancer, right after my mother died of lung cancer, oh. in the early 90s. We had a really good two years. Oh God. <laughs> When all three of them died of lung cancer from smoking, and one oh. after the other within months of each other. Yeah. And um, and so he, he went from he went from that that just totally freaked him out. He had two small kids, 
and both of those kids today are you know in their 30s and one of them's happy, one of them's married but he's everybody is very very overweight mm-hmm. it's a real problem real, real, real serious issue there uh, my my his other child my uh, one of my nieces is doing pretty well right now but she's always been very very overweight mm-hmm. you know no drugs no booze they know all better than that but they, they can't stop the you know mm-hmm. the food thing yeah and it's vicious it is really vicious and that's what my my cycle has been since my second divorce and um, separation in 08 divorce in 09 has been this has been this up and down cycle with the food and that just shows you what a multiple addiction is all about because something is going to something's going to stand up and bite you in the ass mm-hmm. you know my food my money has been great my relationships have been getting better all the time but any time that i you know I, something, some major stressor or some major setback comes along, I will immediately go back to the food. Without yeah. even think, knowing exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can I know, know exactly what I'm doing? I mean, I can recite all these goddamn books by heart. Mm-hmm. You know? So, of course, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm doing it deliberately to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. See? Because to me, the heart of addiction is, is self destruction. Yeah. We have, we have, I've never met anybody in the program who didn't have a button that said, I must hurt myself. Yeah. And whenever they, we start doing well, whenever I start doing well, I push the button. Mm. And whatever it is, it's, and it's, it's, the other thing is it's incredibly subtle, insidious, and deadly, right? Yeah. Cunning, baffling, powerful, not even half of it. Yeah. It's subtle and insidious. Mm-hmm. And therefore, even more deadly than the obvious things about being a, drunk in the street or overdosing or whatever mm-hmm. you do. I mean, this if I if I don't take care of myself with my food, I'm going to die prematurely of some stupid thing like, you know, diabetes or heart attack or mm-hmm. cancer or something. Yeah. And I don't intend to do that. Yeah. Uh, so so lately, I've, so the good news is, is I've been abstinent uh, since last October 15th. I've lost 46 pounds. I'm down. I had hit my highest weight ever, which really scared the shit out of me. At 236, I'm now 190 as of nice. the other day when I weighed. Mm-hmm. And then you know why? Because I'm working the program. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working the program like I had never worked it before. Yeah. I hadn't worked it in 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I've been what's called with my food stuff. I've been what's called a free rider. It's an economic term for somebody who. Gets the gets the benefit and doesn't pay back for it. Oh uh, yeah. So I've been free riding on on uh, my food program for all these decades, mm. and without giving back to that particular program. Mm. In my other programs, I've done a lot of service work, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore I've gotten a lot of benefit. Yep. <laughs> I've stayed abstinent. I've stayed sober. I've stayed, you know, my relationships have gotten better, and everything. Works fine because yeah. I've worked those programs and gave a tremendous amount of service. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that until recently in my food program, mm. and finally I'm doing that because I know this is now. You know, I'm almost 69, mm-hmm. and there's and I want to live to be 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm going to do that, I got to straighten my act up, mm-hmm. especially my especially my health, my fitness, and my and my uh, food plan, mm-hmm. the food I the food I eat. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been doing and. So it's, it's working as well as I can work it right now, uh, but the, the subtleties are always incredible. I've, I have always got to be aware that what the, the, the subtlest thing, that the most the most subtle thing about these diseases is that 
you will often have nothing but what appears to be good choices, but one of them is not going to keep you, you know, you're just not going to be working the program choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I did that yesterday. I, was, I traveled a lot last week. I was really, really tired. So I took a mental health day mm -hmm. instead of doing some work on some, some of my, my, my books and my social media stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I laid in bed all day. Mm. Slept most of the day. And I, maybe I needed the rest, but maybe I was fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, you know. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know because it's so subtle and so insidious. Because I have to be really, really careful about everything that I choose to do. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's going to, you know, if it's something, you know, which which of these wonderful choices. And pretty much these days, all I have is good choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you've got a life that's nothing but good choices, how do you know which one is actually not going to benefit? Yeah. Yeah. Benefit you in the long term versus maybe taking, you know, the short term gain, short term pain, long term gain thing, mm -hmm. right? Yesterday was a short term, short term gain thing. Maybe, I hope. Uh, today, I did, some, I did some stuff. I'm here doing this. I'm yep. having a great time doing some service. It's really great. And I hope that it will continue to carry on. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just as cunning, baffling, powerful. Uh, yeah. So one thing I do want, do want to talk about is part of that terrible aftermath of, of the second divorce. What I, one thing I did do is I was hitting about to hit 50. I, was, I knew the big 6-0 was coming. So I decided to distract myself from my grief over the, my losing my stepkids and the, and the second divorce. Decided to do something really, really crazy and climb Kilimanjaro. Ooh, nice. <laughs> I'm wearing the T-shirt. I know. You can't I see that. the T-shirt, but yeah. I got the T-shirt on, guys. Uh, <laughs> guys and men and women out there in the, in the audience. I've got the Kilimanjaro T-shirt and the maps on the back. Wow. Um, and so I worked out for 18 months, two trainers, danced. I love to dance, so I danced a lot. I mm. jogged a lot. I climbed. I went out to Colorado and, you know, did 13,000 just to see if I could do it. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And I actually made it to the top of Kilimanjaro on my own two feet. Wow. But, Ooh. and this is bizarre, this uh -oh. is, you'll never guess how many guys, it took eight white affluent Americans to get to the top of that mountain. How many, <laughs> how many tough guys, local tough guys uh -huh. it took? Take a guess. Just pick a number. How many actually like made it to the, the top? No, how many tough guys, local tough guys it took to get us white, rich Americans <laughs> to the got top? To the gotta top. be 40. Yeah, probably five apiece. 63. Wow. Really? Most people guess five, ten. You're really close. You're the, the closest ever. Yeah, I figured about five, five yeah. apiece. Yeah. <laughs> 63. Yeah. Now. Wow. What I learned going up on, I was, a, and I was a son of a bitch on going up there. See, the altitude sickness hit me with basically irritability and lack of sleep and insomnia. Mm -hmm. I was only getting about two hours of sleep a night. Wow. And I'm burning six, 7,000 calories a day mm -hmm. and going up this in altitude. It's just, we're losing air, we're losing, oh, yeah. gaining altitude, the mm -hmm. whole thing. And my expression of it was I was just getting really, really exhausted and obnoxious. Mm -hmm. All my character defects just blew, exploded uh -huh. on that mountain. Wow. I ended up spending most of my time making amends and apologizing and pissing, pissing the other seven people in my group off. Mm -hmm. uh, but the leader of that group, he should have sent me down that mountain because I was disturbing the peace, the peace and harmony of the group. He should have sent me down the mountain. 
But he showed me and taught me the greatest, one of the greatest lessons I've ever been taught, and that was the lesson of compassion. Compassion on someone. Mm-hmm. Not just this sympathy, you know, oh, poor Robert, oh, that's kind of, that's crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was active, living compassion. When he got, when I really screwed up one morning, and he took me, to, and he, in front of everybody that night, he said, Robert, give your pack to H, mm-hmm. or you're going down the mountain. Mm. And I was humiliated, embarrassed, totally, you know, but I was screwed up. I mean, I'd screwed, been screwing up for days. Yeah. And I said, okay, my goal here is to get to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Fine. And I gave my pack to this, this guy named H, mm-hmm. HJ's, and by his compassion, I made it to the top of that mountain on my own two feet. Mm. And that's all I will ever claim. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was treated with enormous compassion by these people. All, all Tanzanians, by the way. By the way, Kilimanjaro was in Tanzania, not Kenya. It really pisses the Tanzanians off that <laughs> Kenya has the big tourist picture of it. It's not in Kenya at all. <laughs> There's not one inch of Kilimanjaro in, in, in Kenya. It's in Tanzania. <laughs> uh, then the rest of that trip, I hurt my feet going down because I got arrogant again. And I really crammed the crap out of my feet going down. Yeah. And I could not walk. I had not brought, I made the mistake of not remembering to bring any, any tennis shoes to walk around camp. Right? Uh. And all I had was my big heavy boots. Mm. And I crammed my feet. They were swollen. The boots were like bursting off my feet. You know? Yeah. And I, had to, and I had to keep them on. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't, yeah, except, unless I was in my tent, I had to keep my, my heavy boots on, my swollen, crammed up feet. Mm-hmm. Well, the going, I had five mortality moments. The biggest one and the last one was our last, our last camp, right? 7.30 in the morning, I wake up, and I'm going to stagger, literally stagger to where they were fixing breakfast. Mm-hmm. And the, the guys at this camp, wait, come here, come here, come here, we got something to show you, right? So I walk over, and there in the ashes of our campfire from the night before is this freaking lion print that are as big as my hands. Oh, wow. And I said... Uh, wait a minute. They said, yeah, we're in the middle of a lion pride. And I said, do we have any guns? Oh, no, we don't need any guns. Now, I'd been to Africa before. They had guns. Yeah. They had two 30-30s. Uh-huh. Before, I said, we don't have any guns? And I said, there's, a, there's an elephant herd over there that really doesn't like us because they pushed down a tree across the road. Nice. That had done that deliberately. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. There was a herd of 200, 1,500-pound, mean, ugly, stupid, Cape Buffalo on the other side of the creek. Very dangerous. Very dangerous, Mm -hmm. incredibly dangerous. Mm -hmm. And we're in the middle of a lion pride. And I said, we don't have any guns, and I can't run, much less hardly walk. Yeah, you're the first to go. You're the the weak one in the herd. You know the joke, right? You You don't have to be faster than you, right? Oh, yeah. I was the the you. Yeah. I was fucking (laughs) lion bait. Yeah. Now, that's when I learned I was going to die. That was my mortality moment. Mm -hmm. So you learn these things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to, therefore, I got to do the best I can between now and then. Yeah. It's just how you die. <laughs> yeah. It's just how you go and not what, it's not what you have. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not what you have. It's what you've done to leave the, leg- the real legacy you have to leave behind, especially for some, you know, for addicts, is what do we do for recovery and then service to others? Mm-hmm. Yes. How do we, what we do, what do we leave behind Absolutely. in service to, in, that we have done to help other people recover or help strengthen the programs mm-hmm. 
or, you know, so it can be money, it can be service, it can be sponsorship, it can be anything that you can do, even, you know, even showing up in, to a meeting when there's a small meeting and you may be the only person in the room. Mm-hmm. I've done that dozens of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, starting new meetings and things like that. I've been the only person there. Well, my higher power's there. I'm there. I got a book. I have a meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's what it's all about. Keeping the doors open for the next suffering addict who comes in the door. Yeah. And if we don't do that, we really not we we're not really leaving anything behind. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's so that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to devote myself to now is doing whatever service I can do uh, for as long as I get my higher power gives me to you know to keep to carry the message and keep uh, keep pushing keep helping people recover because as as we're all more than well aware that our society is just one big enormous freaking addiction. Yeah. If anything. The economy runs on it. <laughs> oh yeah. The, you know, business, everything runs on it. Mm-hmm. It's being addicted to something, whether yeah. it's nicotine, caffeine, food, booze, drugs, mm-hmm. TV, social media, you name it. We can. You, our society depends on us being addicted to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah man. And it's just. And so, what do we do? You know, we can do just do the best we can one day at a time to live the twelve steps, role model, mm-hmm. and. Be of service to those who come in and who who seriously want help. Yeah, that's all we can do. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's all awesome. Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, man, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, do you want to start questions, Eric? Or do you? I have so many questions. All right, I'm so gonna start then. Many questions. I'm gonna start then. You're gonna start? Yep. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm taking it. Yep. You know? Yep. Okay. So, um, what was what were like the precipitating factors? Like, what led to you first going to OA back okay. in what was that? Seventy six. Seventy six. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I had. Um, I'd always I played football in high school mm-hmm. you know, at about 180, mm-hmm. and then I really pre- pretty much stopped doing anything in college. And after that, I was a newspaper reporter. It is in, if you want to be stressed out, be a newspaper reporter. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it is the most incredibly stressful thing you can possibly do. Did you ever get to yell "Stop the presses"? Uh, pretty close, but not really. I, Damn it! Yeah, I, I never yelled "Stop the presses." I said, you know, hold it, hold the paper up when something's come up. <laughs> yeah, and. and uh, so, no, seriously, I, I was so stressed out. I'd been just made a bureau chief, and, uh, and, and I had no training, no experience in being a supervisor, and now I'm supervising five reporters, a photographer, and an assistant, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm totally freaked out. And there's all these issues going on with my first wife and all this stuff. So, so I just started eating. And I went from, you know, like low, high 190s, low 200s, maybe around 200 in there, to 222, very fast because mm-hmm. as a reporter, I, all I did all day was run around town, right? Mm-hmm. This little town I was covering. So I got to stop at the best Italian bakeries, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> which had wonderful coffee and pastries, mm-hmm. you know, six or seven, eight times a day. And, uh, and then this is true, too. Another blessing. Just before Christmas of 75, I tripped in one of our competing newspapers. There was an article about OA in this weekly newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I saved it because I was just freaking out desperate. Yeah. And then it would, Christmas, just got, everything just got worse and worse. And I just kept, you know, I'm just freaked out. And I said, I got to do something. Now, I tried some of the commercial weight loss stuff. And that was just humiliating. You know, just got yeah. awful humiliating mm-hmm. those other ones. And um, so I decided to go down to this, you know, I worked on Sundays from 2 until about midnight. I decided to get up early, like at 7 in the morning, and drive down to a 9 o'clock meeting at that little 
little church, little white church in a little village, mm -hmm. and go to this meeting and find out what happened. And even though they were all women, I heard their stories and I said, that's me. Yeah. That was it. Mm -hmm. Because I had done nothing my entire life but eat to come, you know, eat to feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, eat to quell my anxiety and my fears and all this kind of stuff. Uh, my father was a rageaholic. Yeah. He was incredibly demanding. I was a third child, first son, so all his expectations and all the stuff that he'd He'd never done in his entire life, got dumped on my shoulders. Mm. And that's no fun. Yeah. And I never had any any help to deal with it mm. or really dealt with it. And amongst all these pressures and da, 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 I was just freaking out. So, and so Lola literally, you know, saved my sanity then. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I did, I did really well in LA for a number of years after that. So, all right. that's how it started. Cool. So I guess, do I want to go with OA or DA? Mm, so so many questions about fellowships. Um, so I guess let's talk about relapsing on food. Um, and kind of what is that process? Because I'm guessing a lot of it's habit, right? And it's just forming new habits and, you know, making sure that your routine doesn't kind of change. And maybe I'm wrong, but um, I'm just kind of approaching it like I would if I were to go on, like, something like that. Um but like when you're when you're losing control with food, is that getting like, you know, an extra, um, I don't know, let's say like an extra, maybe going out and getting some ice cream and then that turns into like stopping back on the way home and getting fries or something like that. Like how does that process start and then what happens? Well, it's, let's go back and get rid of the word habit. Okay. It's an addiction, remember? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, I think there's, um, I don't but know. There are, yeah, yeah. There, there is a sequence. Yes. There's a relapse sequence mm -hmm. to the food just like there is, and it's probably the same one with booze. I'm not, mm -hmm. I relapsed on booze, and that was, yeah, that was beginning with the beer and a glass mm -hmm. of wine here and a glass of wine there, and yeah. suddenly I'm drinking heavily again. Mm -hmm. uh, with, with food, with me, it's about quelling the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it doesn't matter the kind of food. Yeah. I mean, my last relapse last uh, between August and last August last last October was nothing but healthy food. Mm -hmm. I haven't had, you know, I, I jokingly say it's I have I'm on a three B food plan: no bread, no booze, no bonbons. Right. Uh -huh. you know, there was no bread, no booze, and no bonbons involved in my relapse last year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just ate way too much really good food. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. That was because I was crying to, it was anxiety that I hadn't dealt with that I was quelling. And once it gets started, it just takes over. Mm -hmm. And I knew exactly what I was doing. I'm sitting there saying, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, there's a meeting tonight. Uh -huh, I could do that. I could call into the men's meeting. Mm -hmm, sure, well, fuck it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And those two months, the only time I left, pretty much the only time I left my condo was to go to the, uh, to go to the store and buy more food. Hmm. I mean, I just sat there and read and watch TV and, you know, baseball season and yeah. was on and all that stuff. And, and I just, did, and I'm fully conscious by now, of course, of exactly what I was doing and doing it purely to hurt myself mm -hmm. for whatever. And one of the big things that, that, that drives me into, that wants to drive me or is really self-destructive for me is grief. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, the whole thing of, if you tie them all together, the, 
any kind of major grief is a major trigger for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had a lot of grief in my life. Yeah. And it doesn't get any better as you get older, guys. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It just is everywhere. Everybody's freaking dying all, all around you, and you just uh, or get we're getting really sick. Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago, a, a really dear cousin of mine passed away from from cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. She was a cousin-in-law. She'd been married to my my to my one of my male cousins. Uh, this week, I found out that a good friend's brother died unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you get to this age, it's just freaking everywhere. Yeah. And uh, and so, but I've had, but I seriously have have to find healthier ways to grieve. Yeah. <laughs> because it puts, you know, because all I want to do is stuff that stuff that uh, pain down. Yeah. And the only the best way to do, I don't do like food. Money doesn't do that with me. Relationships doesn't do that. Nothing does that for me now for food. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's my primary. Yeah. You know, that's my go-to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so any major, huge stress with, topped with some grief, and I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. uh, this week it was, there was uh, something when one of my family members, I went out to Ohio to, to a family thing, and one of my family members out there had put on a tremendous amount of weight since Christmas. I mean, it's enormity. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just awful. Yeah. Uh, how much weight this person has put on since, and since that time. And then I came home and found out very, one of the dearest places in my life, Notre Dame had burned down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I had had three of the best moments in my entire, in both of my marriages, two of them in my first marriage and once in my second marriage, had taken place at Notre Dame. Mm. And uh, there was, you know, so I was grieving and upset about my fam my relative, Notre Dame, and on top of that, I found that, you know, these other people had passed away. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. And so I took, my, I took a mental health day yesterday. Yeah. I said, okay, don't overeat mm -hmm. because you're feeling this way. If you need to crawl into bed and sleep, go into bed and rest because you're exhausted. You're worn out from all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so is it, was it a good decision? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, all I know is I didn't overeat. Yeah. yeah, that's what counts, right? Yeah, and having overeaten today, so that's what counts. Mm -hmm. Twenty-four hours at a time. So with me, it's really about the grief is always a trigger, and I've got to be very, very careful about anything like that that's going to cause me to feel some kind of real deep emotion. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, all right. Okay. Um, how did your um, various addictions? How did they manifest into your relationships? Oh my God! My first marriage, we just fought like cats and dogs all the time. Mm -hmm. Even when I was doing great in my first program, you know, my food program, we just fought. It was miserable. Mm -hmm. But on the surface, we were the absolutely perfect couple. Out on the our facade was the absolutely yeah. perfect yuppie couple of the of the day. You know, mm -hmm. I you know, I was buying my clothes at Barney's Fifth Avenue, and Oof. you know, we were members of this highfalutin church in New York. We lived in New York and all this kind of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. so. But behind the scenes, we were just all the time at each other. And mm -hmm. if the stress got too much, we moved. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And whenever, and the, and, and it didn't matter what kind of stress it was. If it, One of the worst moves we made was the stress of being successful. Huh. We decided to, oh, well, we got to... We had the we had the most incredibly wonderful apartment in New York. Mm -hmm. We faced the Hudson. We had a view of the Hudson River mm -hmm. from Midtown. Yeah. 
And the sun went when the sun went down, our entire apartment lit up like we were part of the sun. Mm. You know, it was just glorious. And so we moved to a freaking dairy in Connecticut into an old house. And the freaking, you could see like three inches between the floor, the ancient floorboards down to the freaking basement. Right? What? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> because my ex wanted to be somebody. And I went, okay, that's good. Let's go do that. Do, 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 do. And we did, and so, you know, we were incredibly, we were being incredibly successful. We go do this stupid thing, waste all this money. Mm-hmm. Our oil bill, and this is in 19, this is the early 19, no, the late, yeah, in the early 1980s. Our oil bill was $750 a month that winter. Good God. Yeah, that was what we were paying for rent in New York, mm-hmm. right? We had moved to save money. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So success is a stressor, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Failures, is, is, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Just as long as it was, and we would, we would just fight like cats and dogs. We made stupid mistake after stupid, stupid mistake that was always about trying to be somebody. Yeah. You know, status. And sort of some, ego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her, her ego and my lack of ego, my unwillingness to say, hey, that's a really stupid idea. We're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I do, 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 okay, let's go, let's go do that, dear. Yeah. Yes, dear. And that went on for 16 years. Hmm. So, and it led to, you know, like I said, that incredible amount of debt. Yeah. Incredible trouble that we had, so. How did they, did they manifest in, like, the second marriage at all? Like, how did the, any addictive behaviors or, like, character defects, how did they manifest in, like, the second marriage? Uh, and In the second marriage, that was more the relationship thing. Um, I had the DA relapse when mm-hmm. I got that arrogance about being, you know, doing this, getting my first master's and going to yeah. consulting firm. That was probably the biggest one mm-hmm. in the first marriage. I'm trying to think of ha- what happened as we went on there. Uh, really, it was pretty typical, you know, people with kids in high school and college and everything, just being too, just being busy. Just being we didn't busy. really notice what was going on with us. We were just too busy Mm-hmm. And stuff with and for the kids and mm-hmm. enjoy you know we were traveling a lot too we did I did a lot of my traveling with her mm-hmm. uh, we started traveling in 97 it didn't stop we traveled all over hmm. you know so we traveled a lot that took a lot of we, I think that was one of our pressure valves was was that was traveling for yeah about three three weeks every summer mm-hmm. you know really cool places oh yeah and planning spending the rest of the next year planning to go to the next fabulous place mm-hmm you know, I have trip of a li- I have trips of a lifetime about every other year. Or so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's uh, what you should do. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I have I've had at least twenty five or twenty six trips of a lifetime. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things money recovery does for you is enables you to do those kinds of things. Yeah. So that one was really just kind of erosion by just yeah passive aggressive stuff and. Mm. Uh, because I was really working my programs really well then, and she just wouldn't go. You know, I wanted to, but we had communication issues, we had bedroom issues, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just wouldn't go to. She just wouldn't stay in therapy. She just would not go. She would, twice in although twice in fifteen years, she went to three sessions and then said, "I'm not going back." Huh? I said, "Well, I am." <laughs> yeah. And when someone refuses to, you know, come to come to grips with their own issues and thinks, and thinks I don't want to look at the past, I don't want to look toward the future. Mm-hmm. And you know she's got unresolved issues because you've heard her story. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah. And so what can you do, you know? Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I was really doing well and she just was not 
coming along and just resist, just passive resistance. So, hmm. and all those, like I said, I was away for a year and that just split the fissures wide open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, it was not pretty and I, I made some serious mistakes. So, hmm. okay. Um, Back to Eric. So being a part of multiple fellowships, yeah, uh, something that I know David and I have realized, um, at least with steps and with language, mm -hmm. um, there is a difference mm -hmm. between different fellowships a little and bit, yeah. the language. And I know um, with the fellowship that we're in and with other fellowships, like step one and step three are kind of, there's different, what people take away from yeah. those steps yeah, yeah, yeah. in our fellowship is different than the way people like, take away from other. What the fuck are you going other... for here? In the... oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know. like we've noticed that people take away something from the step in one fellowship different than the other. Really? Huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Just from talking to a bunch of people, it's just something we've picked up on. So I'm guessing like the question is like, how do the steps differ in the fellowships that you are in? This. Actually, it's more the tools that differ than the steps. Okay, that's well, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah how, do, how does it... I mean, we just change food for alcohol, uh, you know, debting for alcohol, mm -hmm. relationships for... I mean, Al-Anon still keeps the alcohol part. Yeah. And then yeah. just alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we, we, the big difference is in the tools because the difference is in, is in behavioral versus substance mm -hmm. addictions. Mm -hmm. And that's what... You know, a lot of people don't understand it who are cross addicts, multiple addicts, don't understand it, why they don't recognize that they have another addiction. Mm -hmm. Is this spending money and eating food or behavioral? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, alcohol and well, drugs. Well, food and is sort of like a substance. It's, it's a combo. It's a real. It's, it's, it's a, a fine it's a very line. It's bad I mean, it's hybrid. Really like, it is. Yeah. It's a very, very dangerous hybrid. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a sneaky one when for you, sure. Yeah. When you eat to relieve anxiety, are you not getting an endorphin rush? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's releasing Absolutely. a chemical that's, that's in your brain, more. right? Especially yeah. if it's something sugary and sweet, uh -huh. you're getting mm -hmm. that. You're hitting that pleasure center for sure. Or even sure. if it's not, as long as it's fatty. Oh, fucking bacon. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I don't do bacon anymore. I do seeds. Oh, Seeds? seeds, yeah, seeds are really fatty. Do they have bacon flavored seeds? I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> if you want bacon flavored see, then you, you can start Baconators Anonymous. How about oh, that? Oh, bacon yes. Bacon Eaters BEA. We've got a new program right here. <laughs> it will be a tremendous First meeting next week. <laughs> It'll be a tremendous failure. <laughs> so, I guess, I guess the way no, that. I, no, so let me, let me yeah. finish. This, yeah. is, this is the essence of the, of the difference is uh -huh. the tools. OA, you have a food plan. Mm -hmm. You have a um, so you, you you know you get the food plan either working with a nutritionist, professionals, or with a sponsor. Yeah, you do that. You can have an, you need an action plan to you know around that. Mm -hmm. So those are very different. Yeah. Uh, then in, in AAA, you just bam work yeah. the steps, give service, and you keep chugging along. Yep. DA, we've got we have we have what are called pressure relief groups. Mm-hmm. Where, you, where a person who's seriously in trouble sits down with two, a man and a woman who've got ex time and experience in recovery in DA in what's called a pressure relief meeting. Okay. Hmm. And that develops a spending plan over time, maybe over time, develops a spending plan and action plan to work toward getting your, not only just getting you out of debt, but learning to live your life and learning that you are not your debt. Mm -hmm. Learning that you have that that you are allowed to put your needs first. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that blew me away about DA. What the fuck? I'm allowed to put my needs first instead of paying off my creditors. I'm, what kind of a schmuck am I? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, I'm what kind of deadbeat am I? 
if I don't pay my creditors first, for yeah. God's sakes. Well, you're, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so I had, so I was literally at first and for years in, in uh, that program, I was saying $5, $20 a month, whatever I could afford after I put my needs first. Yeah. And that included a small savings account. So it was prioritizing your yeah, debt. Yeah, prioritizing the debt and putting it where it properly belonged instead of making it my entire life. Mm-hmm. And also, under, and, but also bring having entertainment in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, my first press relief group, my two people, said, I was spending like $20 a month on entertainment. Mm-hmm. I was going dancing to a DJ dance every Friday night for $5 and drinking their order for free and not leaving a tip, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my first meeting, they said, you've got to spend at least $75 a month on your on, on entertainment, hmm. enjoyment. You know, go to movies, do something, have fun. And I went, what the fuck? Yeah. You're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. I mean, I'm using this as these are quotes I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. They'll kill me. You know, my debtors are gonna, my creditors are gonna murder me. They said, hey, sit down, shut up, and do it, or it's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started having more fun, I started getting more business because mm-hmm. I'm still freelancing. I started making mm-hmm. more money. I was mm-hmm. happier. Yeah, good things started happening. Oh. You know, so this is not. It's not a deprivation program. It's a prosperity program. Mm-hmm. OA is not a deprivation program. You know, you're not giving up the foods that you just can't live without. I talk to people about being in, in OA, and they say, oh, my God, I couldn't live without bread. I said, I don't tell them this, but I said, how fucking pathetic is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you can't live without some, you know, that means you're a serious addict if you can't live without you know, a pastry, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. It yeah. isn't that big a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in some really shitty countries where they would love to have a piece of, pay, a piece of, you know, some seeds and a piece of bread. I mean, yeah. Really, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been in some really bad places. And, that, that you know, really, really poor places are not bad, but they're just incredibly poor. Mm-hmm. And that's the essence of it is what is, is doing healthy things for yourself in a very structured way and... In those in those two in those two quote quasi behavioral programs mm-hmm. that you don't have to do in the substance based programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to change your behaviors, you have to change your habits in all of them. But we have different tools and very structured ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You just said something that I really liked, and I completely forgot it already. Um, they're not how they weren't uh, deprivation programs or prosperity yeah, like programs. Yeah, they're I, prosperity programs. I love that. Yeah. That's great. They're, this is not none of this is about deprivation. This is about a you know much more wonderful way of life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you your guys would your lives are a whole lot better than they were, right? Oh hell yeah, and <laughs> yeah. It, and exactly. Well, mine is too. Mm-hmm. And I think like especially with uh, like at we deal with mostly like drug addicts uh, in our fellowships. Um, so, like, the biggest thing, like, that is a misconception and for newcomers is, like, they're going to deprive themselves of fun. Right. Like, we, they, yeah. don't, they don't understand, how, how am I going to have fun without drugs? How am I going to have fun without alcohol? Right. And just like you said, it, it's it's a prosperity. It's a different type of fun. Yeah, like, absolutely. M- me and Eric and I are definitely now... Uh, semi-board game addicts <laughs> for a little bit yeah. it, 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 it <laughs> yeah. got bad for a while it, it was, it's slowing down right it now it was unmanageable yeah it slowed down we've gotten mm-hmm. busy the, there, but it during, wasn't an addition if it became manageable on your own so. that's true that's true <laughs> um, but yeah during winter when we were sort of sheltered indoors it, 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 it got bad it got bad <laughs> 
It got rough. There were some. There were a lot of fights. It was. It was what it was. Yeah, it's just um, taking it too seriously. It's just a game. It's not just a game. <laughs> it's not just a game. Um. All right. Um. Ooh, I'm hungry. Um. Hmm. What would you say, like throughout throughout your life, what is your most glaring character defect? Oh, uh, glaring is. Arrogance covering up fear. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can be pretty much a know-it-all and arrogant. Mm Mm-hmm. I think arrogance is my worst right now. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's all over. It's all just covering up fear. Yeah. I mean, I was always a very anxious kid. I Mm -hmm. was always... uh, Growing up, I was always the smartest, biggest, tallest kid in class. Mm -hmm. Boy in class. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was all the way through elementary school, even into eighth grade. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been made, you know, all the usual taunts and being making fun of and all that kind of stuff I was. And there was a huge, my father put a huge amount of pressure on me to be, to be a all-star baseball player. Mm-hmm. But when you're 12 years old and you only weigh 190 pounds and you can't hit, you can't run, you can field okay, but you can't get to the ball because you're too slow. Yeah. You're not going to be a really good baseball player. Mm-hmm. And the trauma was so bad with my father that my feet broke out in eczema. And I, when I was 13 and a half-ish, mm-hmm. just beginning of the ninth grade, and I literally could not walk on my feet for months. Wow. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I did not want to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And I deliberately, subconsciously, made my feet so bad that I could not, I could not play. Yeah. And that's how crazy, you know, that's, how, that's kind of stress I was feeling. Cause yeah. That's all stress-related. Yeah. Well, you know oh, they're yeah. not skin disease or, in, or inflammations or terrible unless it's in, unless it's bacterial or viral, it's all inflammation related to stress mm-hmm. and diet. Yeah, it's all it's all rashes are. Hmm. Uh, I, for example, when I this last when I my last relapse was over and I started really taking good care of myself, I switched my food plan from. I used to eat a lot of acid foods, oranges, mm-hmm. strawberries, blackberries, oh, yeah, all that really wonderful stuff. And I went to all alkaline. Mm. And my skin cleared up in two weeks. Yeah. My skin looks better now than I have since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Since I was since I hit puberty when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Because I just stopped eating so much acid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I should. And am I missing anything, really? No, I eat lots of lovely, wonderful, tasty vegetables and fruits. You mm-hmm. know, blueberries. I get to eat blueberries every day. I love blueberries. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, blueberries, grapes, apples, peaches. Mm-hmm. I'll trade that for strawberries and oranges. What the deal, you know? I need my strawberries, though. <laughs> I'm not saying I can't so, live without them. But yeah, I know. I that's gotta, that's gotta the gotta deal. Pepper, you gotta, gotta pepper them in. Yeah, sure. you got you got to kind of do that. But that's what you do is you just say, okay, there's a better way of living here. And my God, dude, what would I rather have? Really wonderful, clean, clear skin, or you know, scratch and itch and break mm-hmm. out, be broken out all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. blueberries now, are some, of, that some of the best 16, friggin' fruits. I mean, that 13 minus yeah, 56 years, mm-hmm. 50. 55 years? I live mm-hmm. that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel a whole lot better now, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Do I miss anything? Well, I mm. look, yeah. You know, what the heck? Yeah. So. Mm. Recovery is sacrifice. What else you got, Eric? No, I don't believe that at all, by the way. I don't believe recovery is sacrifice in the least. Really? Absolutely. Just like sacrifice means deprivation. Yeah. Recovery is just changing 
way you do things, you find and do it in a better way, and it's going to make you healthier. Yeah. No sacrifice involved at all. How the hell? Why do I want to? Do you think it was a sacrifice for you to stop taking drugs? No. Okay. Ask an alcohol. Ask a recovering alcoholic. Was it a sacrifice to stop drinking? I don't think it's a sacrifice for me to give up pastries and sugar and bullshit that's going to you know make me fat and fat and crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't need credit cards. Yeah. That, that's just if you want if you want to live in if you know if you have a bunch of credit cards all you do is living in terror all the time right mm-hmm. paying the bills mm-hmm. you, you know and juggling one against the other if you're really in you know if you're much like I was I had nine credit cards and two bank loans <laughs> plus a whole page and a half of personal stuff yeah who wants to live like that you know yeah that's living in fear mm-hmm. and so you know so mm-hmm. that's no there's no sacrifice there and I have I don't I haven't sacrificed anything I've gained. Mm-hmm. Gain more than I'll ever ever have thought think, thought about giving up. So yeah, what else got here? I'm vegan, so I kind of agree with him. <laughs> so um, I'm more and more vegan, by the way. So. Yeah. Um, I guess sticking with stress, because um, I have I have a lot of stress. I'm I'm definitely a workaholic. No. So um, you're not stressed, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but sticking with stress and kind of you know how. You were just mentioning the eczema and all of that. How do you process the stress? Because you're not going to the food. So how, I mean, is it, you know, just how, what's your process? Well, I'm something of a workaholic myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not as bad as I used to be, but I have my, uh, I'll, I'll get to one of the things I've been I'm working on my books and things, so I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so I find something really positive to do. Uh I work my programs sometimes, not perfectly, not all the time. The main thing, though, is is gratitude. Mm-hmm. Is just being learning to be, and all I have learned to be, and doing my best to be grateful for little things. Mm-hmm. Like I've learned, I I've learned to just driving around. Like I was driving up here from Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. and the trees are just unbelievably gorgeous. Yeah. It's the you know the red the red buds are out, the dogwoods are blooming. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the different shades of green, you know, as the leaves are coming out on different trees at different times. Mm-hmm. It is glorious. Mm-hmm. And so what do, do most people put their, you know, blinders on and rush home from work or rush, rush to work and don't even freaking notice this glorious stuff going on around them. Mm-hmm. And so little, so I, I do my best to be grateful for the little things, mm-hmm. you know, every day. I yeah. look out my window, I've got uh, a lot of windows in my condo and with the south, it faces south. Mm-hmm. And there's some glorious trees outside, and there's you know I get the sun crosses all day long. Nice. You know, so I get these wonderful skies and things. You just be grateful for the little things. That's how I. That's when I really turn turn that stress off the best. Yeah. I'm not a big meditator. Mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, I exercise. I, like today, I went down to the I went down to the gym in the condo, and you know did some stretches and stuff because my back was hurting a little bit, so I needed to go down and do some stretches. That made me feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. So exercise, gratitude, uh, you know, even do, doing some positive work, doing something positive, doing service, whatever. Yeah. Whatever like that. I mean, I'm, I just don't. I know how to meditate. I know how to do biofeedback. I learned all that, mm-hmm. and I just that's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just rather be doing something. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, all right, so you have to pick. You have to pick one. Okay. What is your favorite step? My favorite step. You can only pick one. Hmm. 
11. 11. Nice. Because um, that that's the one where I get to ask my higher power, I pray only for knowledge of my higher power's will for me mm. and the power to carry that out. Yeah. So instead of, you know, rattling off a zillion prayers for so forth and so on for this person and that person and myself and all these other kinds of things, mm -hmm. I just can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wake up in the morning. Okay, God, this is my plan for the day. If you don't like it, change it. Yeah. Uh, and I go about my business and... It usually works out that way. And usually, you know, most days, my higher power changes it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> or I think I'll start one direction and something pops up and I go in, up going in another direction. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, like today, I thought I was going to get stuck on uh, the expressways for two hours. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, it, and then instead, you know, the, the little GPS woman or whatever the hell she is, is <laughs> just said, oh, go this way instead. And I, I went the back way and yeah. through the trees. and. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful yeah. the way you came from. Yeah, it's like, gorgeous. I know, yeah. I know exactly yeah. the way you came. Yeah, it was wonderful. It's really nice. And so was that better than sitting on the expressways for two hours, uh, back to back? Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. So, I just, you know? <laughs> I, I just did that last weekend coming home from South Carolina. And oh, my, oh, my God. Northern, yeah. Northern Virginia traffic is yes. a killer. Yeah, exactly. Well, so is Southern Maryland traffic. Yeah, so yeah it's, County, it's you know. just a clusterfuck yeah, it, it right there. It is absolutely major clusterfuck. Mm. Yeah, it's just. The only place I know is worse than Atlanta, where I'm from. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Atlanta's worse. Mm. Yeah. So. What else you got, Eric? So this is my last question. Okay. Um, you know, being that you have multiple addictions mm -hmm. and that you are in multiple fellowships, mm -hmm. um, and I, I can relate to the multiple addiction part very much, um, mm -hmm. I guess, what does recovery mean to you? Recovery means, first and foremost, I don't take a drink one day at a time. Mm -hmm. I don't overeat one day at a time, mm -hmm. which means I eat three moderate meals a day. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I don't debt. I don't incur any unsecured debt one day at a time. And I do my best to have good relationships with everyone one day at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, I so that means that I need, that I, what's best for me each day is to just do those things mm -hmm. and just stay focused on the day without getting bogged down, you know, the wreckage of my past, which I do way too much, or the wreckage of my future. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I have, every time I have set a goal and gone straight for that goal, if I have not listen to my higher power and continue toward that goal and it's the wrong way, bad stuff happens. Mm -hmm. When my higher power either slaps me upside the head, yeah. says go in a different direction, or gently nudges me in a different direction, it has always been what's really truly best for me. Mm -hmm. Okay? And in that way miracles have miracles have happened in my life. You know, there I don't there are no coincidences. It's all higher power stuff. Yeah. You know, just guiding you along the way. And if you resist, you're going to fuck up and you're going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have this big mo big sign in the sky. Actions have consequences, almost always unintended. Yeah. So so that's what I do. One day I just say, okay, if I don't do those four things every day and I move forward a little bit. Uh, when I worked for the government, I learned to call it this. 
It's called pushing wet noodles across the table. <laughs> okay. Okay. Working with the government, it seems like nothing ever gets done, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a doer like me, mm -hmm. oh my God, you know. So I, I got this image in my mind. There's wet noodles, which are each of my projects lined up across this table. So I push each noodle a little bit every day. And I don't look up. I just, one day at a time, I just keep pushing those noodles. And then every quarter, every so often, I look up and hey, that noodle's off the table. It's done. God, you know, mm -hmm. my God, I did something. Yeah. And the others have made progress across, you know, so. <laughs> every quarter. So it's pushing the noodle. Yeah. It's just pushing noodles and knowing if you're doing the right thing, you know, they'll get pushed across and they'll get done. And that's how I survived. One of the ways I survived working for the government, you know, being a workaholic and mm -hmm. recovering addict. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. There are a lot of unrecovered addicts in the government, by the way. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of all kinds. That would drive me crazy, nothing getting done. Would, oh, my God. Yeah, tell me about it. Pushing wet noodles. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I'm, I'm done. You're done? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That was great. Yeah. Um, so, we'll... Yeah, now we're going to give you the opportunity to plug your book. Okay. Uh, go books, ahead. Books. Uh, two things. Mm -hmm. uh, one, based of uh, Kilimanjaro. I've got a book called Taking the 12 Steps Up and Down Kilimanjaro mm -hmm. that, I, that I published. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just it's the entire story, one day at a time. How I got up the mountain, learned my lessons of compassion, came down the mountain, hurt myself again, and then learned my mortality lessons on the Serengeti mm -hmm. uh, with being line bait. Uh, so that's that's out. You can get that on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got that website is uh, www.recoveryfca stands for Recovery from Cross Addiction. Nice. Dot com. Uh, that's the, that has all that on it, explains all that. It's also got a blog that I do on recovery lessons. Um, my newest project, which I hope to do for the rest of my life since I've already got 15 plots laid out, and I just published the first book. It's called the, the Booper and Harry series. Mm. Booper's a dog. Harry's a 13-year-old Harry's troubled girl from a dysfunctional family. Her dad's mm. an alcoholic, but he's in recovery, doing pretty well. Yeah. Her mom's a crazed, unrecovered Al-Anon. <laughs> nice. And uh, so her, so she's she's a typical ACOA. Uh, you know, well, actually, teen child, typical Al-Teen with not being in recovery. Got to be perfect. Got everything's got to be wonderful. So the first book called "Be Careful What You Wish For" has been published, and it is about how she she rescues, as in steals from a drunken maniac, a very very badly abused dog. Mm. So, Harry's Harry and Booper are going to be together through this series. The second book is written. It's going to be. It's called "The Devil Wears Comfortable Shoes," mm. and it's the follow-up to the first book about the abused dog, about the uh, corrupt director mm -hmm. of an animal shelter, and all the terrible things that she does, mm. and how all this how resolves itself. Yeah. And each one of the books is going to be. It has has a different major social issue theme. The third one's about immigration, but mm -hmm. underlying it all is our twelve-step recovery principles. That's cool. It's not. It's not books like you know. Oh, I was a teenage addict and I'm recovering. I'm fine now. Kind of book. Yeah. The principles come into it through the story. Yeah. Okay. So that's so that's uh, booperandharry.com, and uh, the email address for that's uh, booperandharry at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything I'm doing is in some way or the other, especially with the, with the publications, is, is 
is 12-step based, mm -hmm. 12-step foundation. And, uh, and so the Kilimanjaro is very overt. It's my story, it's my memoir. Yeah. And it's all about the, you know, literally taking the 12 steps up and down. And not too well, by the way, but worked out. And the other one is just, just I hope it's pretty overt, but it's the principles of the principles of recovery are constantly in the in the plots mm -hmm. and you know becoming important. And they this this family is going to work itself through a lot of different issues and recovery problems and relapses and things like that over the over the episodes and over the years as they're in the midst of all these social issue crises in the yeah. town. So nice. it's pretty cool. All right. So, RecoveryFCA.com for Kilimanjaro and BlueprintHarry.com for that series. So, awesome. thanks, thanks for me. Thanks for letting me plug my books. Absol absolutely, man. All right, we'll do our little sign off here. But first of all, we'd like to thank you for coming on, man. Yeah. Give yeah a, thank you so much. Give us a golf clap, Eric. That's a great <laughs> golf clap. It's getting better. That's not what they did for uh, for Tiger the last week. I know. They were I know. Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Took him a decade. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, keep keep tuning in. Listen to us uh, at podcastrecovery.com, all your different podcast apps. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Go check out Robert's uh, books and websites. And everybody out there, stay safe, stay clean. <laughs>